This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Welcome to Jets at Noon. I'm Ross Levitan in for Cam Poitras alongside Jim Toth. We've got a great show over the next hour. Two games remain before the All-Star break for the Winnipeg Jets. And they're both against the hated Toronto Maple Leafs. It was my first year living in Winnipeg that these two teams had eventful games back-to-back. The Jason Spezza suspension. The brawls. The goals. Spezza suspension. I forgot all about that. He can't get away with this. Spezza. The knee. Are you kidding me? Got to tuck that in. Line A Matthews back in the day. The only shenanigans right now for Toronto is what's going on with their $11 million captain, a career-high eight straight games without a point for John Tavares. We'll get into all that with our 1230 guest, Mike DiStefano, the host of the Locked On Leafs podcast. You might know him as Al's brother from TSN Overdrive. He's going to join us just after 12.30. It is a game day in Toronto, 6 o'clock puck drop, 4 o'clock pregame, right here on your radio home for Jets Hockey, 680 CJOB. Mr. Toth, if there's one overarching theme you're hoping to see in these next two games, tonight in Toronto, Saturday here at Canada Life Centre, what would it be for the Jets? Well, for me, it's back to what's made them successful. I, I said yesterday I wholeheartedly agree with uh, Rick Bonus's assessment of the Boston game where uh, they didn't get out of their zone well. They didn't execute well passing, and and uh, they couldn't leave their zone and allowed Boston to do what they're doing. But even more so than that, Ross, um, I need to see some of the depth players produce some some points. I, I need to see if there's no Shifley and no Velarde. I need to see some of the um, Adam Lowry's and and the Nito Niederreiters and the Domestikovs of the world, the Cole Perfetti's. Cole Perfetti would be great to get a couple goals and see some other players step up. I, I think in order for that to happen, they have to get back to what's made them successful to this point with their systems and, and their exits out of their own zone, their forecheck, get that working. Um, but we need some depth here to come through and and some scoring. And it can't just always be Ehlers at the end of a Chicago game or Ehlers in overtime. Uh, they need to score some goals and they need to start producing, which, I, I mean, look, this could end up in a shootout and the Jets don't want that to be against the high-flying Leafs, but you can score some goals on the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's a prime time for a gritty, dirty, greasy game for some of the role players to come through and get some down-low goals. We've already been told that Ilya Samsonov will get the start in goal for Toronto. He played against Seattle and didn't have a whole lot of action. I believe his saves were in the teens, but he had to go take a, a week off in the minors. He was put on a situation where where he just couldn't keep the puck out of his net. His advanced analytics and just the basic ones, saves, were all-time low early on in the season. He was costing the Leafs game, but they put him down. They really, it was an unfortunate injury, and I was actually at the game. It was in Ottawa December 7th uh, where Joseph Wall went down with a high ankle sprain, and he felt like he was kind of saving their season. He looked really good as an up-and-coming goalie in the league, and uh, ever since then, they've been kind of alternating back and forth with Martin Jones as the other goalie who's been playing for the Leafs, but um, this is the op- this is the type of night where, look, you have to have a good first period. You have to. Yeah, and and the Leafs have had periods where they're down. They go down three nothing in Vancouver, then come back and tie it three three, and then the third period gets away from them. Um, I just I don't think, and and you mentioned um, 
Ilya Samsonov. And, and look, he had a really good game. I watched the last two periods of it against the Seattle uh, Kraken, and I actually felt good for him. Like, this is a guy that's going through it mentally with his game as well as physically. And to have a game where he actually, you know, helped the team win on the road in Seattle, uh, good for him. I don't think anything's solved, though. I don't think all of his issues um, on the ice with the way he's been um, uh, sort of presenting himself and, and facing shots and, and his um, positioning and all that are solved. I don't I don't know. Like the last thing I think in my mind the Jets want is a 6-5 shootout game. I think what they want to do is keep it to a 3-1, 3-2 game, which is going to be tough against um, the Leafs. But if you can contain those top couple of lines, I think you have a really good chance to – and, and let's be honest, they're going to get their opportunities. Matthews, uh, all them. Matthews is having a great season. But it's going to be fascinating to me. A, can the Jets get back to their solid defensive play, which includes exiting their own zone, and then if they can produce more than a goal or two a game. And then that's really what it is. Vlardy a couple games ago, um, when was it? He, he mentioned that. He said, if you're, oh, against the Flyers. He goes, if you don't score, you're not going to win. And, and we can talk about our system and everything else. That's how I feel about tonight. You need to score three or four goals tonight, and it can't just be Ehlers and, and maybe Connor. But it's got to be someone. It's got to be somebody. It's not going to be Mark Shifley we and Gabe Velarde. we got to see the depth come through. And Mark Shifley and Gabe Velarde are day-to-day, according to Rick Bonus. I doubt they'll go again. Um, we'll get into tomorrow and Friday's show about whether they should even go with a game left before the 12 days off. But if they're not going tonight, that's what I need. I, I think I'd like to see uh, Rick Bonus load up that top line with Connor and Ehlers playing together with, with Lowry or whoever you want between them. Maybe Nemestikov? That's, Am I wild to say that? Well, that's how it was at the morning skate, cur- oh, okay. cur- courtesy of our friend Mitchell Clinton. And uh, we should also note, we know the goalie for the Winnipeg Jets. It's going to be Laurent Brassois who gets a start in, in this game. Uh, on the trade block, I say tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> uh, and don't listen to the national media on that one. But the line rush is from Toronto today. Vlad Nemestikov with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. Dominic Toninato. I've been banging the drum for him to get a chance. He's up on a line with Cole Perfetti and Alex Iafallo in uh, in the morning skate here. You've got the line that's the consistent thread of all this. I know maybe not so much recently, but over the course of the season, it'll be Adam Lowry with Nino Niederreiter and Mason Appleton, and the fourth line Rasmus Kupari with Morgan Barron and Axel Janssen Fialbi. Now, Mark Scheifele was out on the ice skating as an extra, so a good sign. I think probably signs pointing towards he's hoping to play Saturday, whereas Gabe Velarde wasn't on the ice. Yeah, so, and and Gabe Velarde, apparently we thought it was an illness, but it's a lower body thing now. Um, I think Ken Weeb had that report after the game in Boston on Monday night. So I don't mind this lineup, right? Like, and the Mestikoff has proven that he can help with some offense on any line he's played on this year. I don't mind this. I love the fact that Connor and Ehlers are going to go because it, this to me is they're going to face one of the top two lines. And if you can, you know, offset their speed and, and also make them defend more than um, maybe a third line checking uh, line that would be facing them. And you mentioned Totonato. This is an opportunity, I think, which is great for him, but also good for the team. I, I think that he's played well enough. I'm not never going to call him a second line center in the national hockey league, but you've played well enough since you've been recalled. And we all know the stats on the fourth line Here's an opportunity against the the second line, and he's he's created opportunities for himself, right? Like it's not like the points aren't amassing at a, a rapid pace, but it's not like he's this 
wide canyon of no offense. I do have one more question for you about the Winnipeg Jets before we look at the other side after 1230 with Mike DiStefano joining us. I want to ask you about this strategy. Now, the Jets' power play is 0 for 9 right now. They're 2 for their last 26. It's not great. But on the flip side, the Leafs' PK is is brutal. They've given up 7 goals on their last 19 opportunities. So what Rick Bonus has done today is split the power play units. There's no 1 and 2. There's an A and B because Kyle Connor is out there with Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry and Alex Iafallo and Neil Pionk. So they're going with two defensemen on, the, on that quote-unquote top unit. But then on the other unit, you've got Nikolai Ehlers, Cole Perfetti, Nino Niederreiter, Vlad Nemesnikov, and Nate Schmidt running the point on that first unit. That's that's a pretty drastic change. It's a to me, it's what you said. There's not a one and a two. This is kind of our C. So so what this is our in between of mixing it all up. But he spoke about this on the post game, and and I mentioned I wanted to talk about it yesterday. We ran out of time. I don't agree with his assessment of they haven't had Connor, Velarde, and Shifley on the power play. And when they can actually run that group out there, because of injury to Velarde and then Connor, it'll be I don't disagree it will be better when all three of those guys are on the same power play unit. But I think this what I disagree with is this team has enough skill and power to load up a power play without those two or without one of those guys being involved and still have an efficient power play. Um it, it's one thing Velarde and Shifley at the same time, that I get. But prior to that, Velarde was out. And then when he came back, Connor was out. So the idea of not having those three and that'll fix everything, I'm fully with Rick Bonus when you're missing two of that top line on your power play. That I get. But when you're only missing one of them, there's Ehlers, there's Perfetti, there's other names that can step up on this power play. I wasn't buying the whole, that's the reason why the power play hasn't been going. Um, but now that there's two of those guys out, that's that's what I think leads to this, right? And we'll see how it works because these days it just feels like the first unit's playing a minute and a half anyways. So you're almost leaving your second unit with the crumbs. Yeah. And then at that point, it's like, why not just load up and have your five best players? Or at least like if you're going to play Ehlers with Connor at five on five, why not just keep them together so you're not then in a position where you're rotating once they get off that one guy's just been out there and the other guy's going to try to get back into his rotation? I'm looking at this and there's Connor, Morrissey, Pionk, Iafalo, and Lowry. Sorry to Kyle, Connor and Morrissey. That looks like power play number two to me. Yeah. The Ehlers need a rider, Nemestikov, Schmidt, Perfetti. Perfetti, Ehlers, and Niederreiter with Nemestikov and Niederreiter in front of the, yeah, net. the net. I think guy. you can get more done with that unit. Yeah. I really do. Interesting. But we'll see. I'm not Rick Bonus. <laughs> I'm about as far away from being a coach in the NHL as you can get. Um, but I, I, I get what he's doing with the mix, right? But to me, and maybe that's why he's doing it. Like you said, a minute and a half for the top unit recently, or a minute 20 anyway. Maybe no. he's going to go a minute and a minute. Yeah, it's not working right now, so... And we've all known the games this year where the second unit has looked much better than the first anyway. Yeah, and I played in my cast this morning where Kyle Connor just said, we have to create secondary opportunities. Yes. And it's so important, right? Yes. It's one thing to just pass it up on the umbrella, shot on net, and funnel it in. It's another thing to go get it in the corner, get sticks in lanes, and don't allow easy clears, and create second and third opportunities for yourself. It's almost like the way they've always, the past couple of years, tried to outscore their problems with, with, with scoring off the rush. Yep. 
it's like the power play to me is trying to snipe. Yeah. And, sco- and sco- it's not a rush, but it's like we're trying to snipe everything as opposed to get a, not only a good shot on net, but one that isn't going to be swallowed up right away and give us a second opportunity. Very well said. Six o'clock is the game tonight. Paul Edmonds, Mitchell Clinton will have the call right here on 680 CJOB, your radio home for Winnipeg Jets hockey. Derek Taylor will swing by at four for all your pregame Coverage after afternoon the, delight. Wow, when the pregame show starts at four. Is so no delight on Jim Toe show? None, none. Great tease <laughs> after the 12 30 so, so news. Join us one of three. <laughs> well, Mike DeStefano, we're gonna roll out the red carpet for him after the 12 30 news. What the heck is going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs? And I want to get in to this Ryan Reeves situation. Winnipegger apparently he's healthy, he's not healthy, he's on Robot Island. Where is he? We'll have all those conversations next. That's Jim Toth. I'm Ross Levitan. This is Jets at noon, 680 CJOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Cloudy, the risk of uh, freezing drizzle today, and that's all because of the high on January 24th in the forecast, minus one in the city of Winnipeg. Tonight, cloudy, foggy, could be some freezing drizzle overnight. We're not going to get much colder, low of minus four. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy, risk of freezing drizzle in the morning, high of minus two there. Friday, clear, and a high of zero. Right now, let's send it back to two zeros. It's Jets at noon, minus one at CJOB. Not a math guy, but is zero plus zero ten? That's all I see across the table for me. All I remember is you can't have two number ones. That's 11. I was so focused on getting my dig in that I forgot the current temperature. So if you didn't hear that, it's minus one. Feels like minus four at CJOB. I'm giving Skyler a zero yeah, for the that weather. Was, that was brutal, boys. First weather of the day is always tough, though. But you always know what? Tough. You got your goalie. The rebuild's over in Chicago. <laughs> Peter Mrazek, two-year extension. Just solidified with your veterans there. Well, we're really locking up the core here in the last two weeks with uh, Jason Dickinson, Nick Foligno, and now Peter Morazic. I mean, this is a third line and a backup goaltender on any competitive hockey team, but for the Chicago Blackhawks, and I mean this in all seriousness, this, these are three great signings. They're all two years, and uh, you know that's kind of when the changing of the guard has to happen, and obviously Connor Bedard's uh, big contract will kick in at the expiry of these deals, and I don't think the... The brass is too intent on running any deals uh, into when that's going to happen. Side note, do you think Bedard's still the favorite for the Calder? He's out six more weeks. He's still the leader in points. I know. He hasn't played since January 3rd. I know. What about that defenseman Faber in Minnesota? He's putting he's Faber's, a good year. Uh, I think he's second in rookie scoring, yeah, and, and being a defenseman, he's he's been awesome. It's actually a really good rookie class. I watched the Columbus game, and they have a couple of guys um, – not only uh, Adam Fantilli, but uh, Volnikov, I think his name was. He scored last night for them uh, against the Oilers. He was really good, too. So there's a lot of good guys uh, around the league right now. Thank you, Skyler. And what's great about the rookie class this year is they're actually all rookies, unlike our next guest who was banging the drum that 35-year-old Michael Bunting should have won the Calder Trophy just a couple of years ago. It's the host of Locked On Leafs. You know him as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. Mike DiStefano, any uh, veterans you want to put up for the Calder this year? That that take no. before you start, Mike. That take reminds me when Sergey Makarov won it as a fifty-eight-year-old. Hey, listen, listen. A rookie's a rookie. I don't care what's going on. A rookie is a rookie. And you know, he had an incredible season. Don't get me wrong. If you look at you know points per sixty, he was tied with Connor McDavid. That's not bad stat. You've got so. that written in your diary, don't you? That's a stat you go back to once in a while. 
It's tattooed on the inside of my wrist. <laughs> There's some fans here of the same stat for Marco Dano. Okay. <laughs> he just didn't play a lot. But when he did play, he was like the expert 60 was. Marco Gretzky. Hey, it's a game day in Toronto. Uh, Mike, what's the vibe in Leafsland right now? I know you guys uh, you guys di- live and die with each shift. So what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, Toronto, It's it's been a super inconsistent season for uh, for the Maple Leafs. So it feels like everyone's always going to be on pins and needles. And anytime Ilya Samsonov gets to start, it feels like it kind of amps up a little bit. And that's what we got tonight. He's making a second, his uh, consecutive starts here for the first time since early December. So it's, it's going to be a pivotal game. And, and he's got to play a real solid opponent, obviously, the Winnipeg Jets, one of the hottest teams. In the NHL, uh, one of just three teams that have 30 wins on the air, so he, he he's got to be ready. He'll be he'll be tested for sure. Mike, in a big picture scheme, what do the Leafs need? And and like I mean, in sort of a, an order, is it like if you're going in the deadline and you had 20 million in cap space? I know they don't, but what what is the one thing they need? Is and everybody says goaltending. I get that, but. Do they need some depth forwards? Do they need some some depth scoring? Do they need D? Like, what what kind of a, when you look at this roster right now, would they need if they could get what they wanted? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and it's one that's become um, an increasingly longer list as the season wears on. Uh, I think you look at what they did in the off season; they thought that they had, you know, gotten themselves some depth scoring with Max Domi, with Tyler Bertuzzi. They thought that John Klingberg could provide a little bit from the back end as a top four guy. And then, you know, you knew that they wanted to add another defenseman probably in the top four and then perhaps a goaltender, depending on how things shake out there. Now it's like there's there's a lot of pieces that this team needs, uh, to, to be honest with you. But I, I think that the blue line needs the most attention for me. I, I look at what they've got cooking there, and it's unfortunate that, you know, the John Klingberg experiment – Ended so poorly, uh, but that obviously leaves another big hole. They were expecting him to fill a top four role, and that just simply did not work out, obviously, out for the season. And T.J. Brody's really fallen off, too. Like he, He's a guy who, for years, has been so steady uh, on a top pair with Morgan Riley. He's been a, a shutdown defenseman. We often used to call him the babysitter, because anytime somebody needed to play a little better, you just chuck him with, T.J. Brody, and all of a sudden their numbers would go up, and they'd stop fishing pucks out of the back of their net. Hasn't quite been the case this season. His game has really fallen off. So, you know, I, I think they need someone even ahead of him to lesser his minutes a little bit. And, and that's tough to get, you know. And, and like you mentioned, I, you know, hypothetically, yeah, if they had $20 million in cap space, maybe they could make some moves, make some deals to acquire one of those, you know, top pair defensemen. But the reality is they just don't have that type of cap space. They're pretty cap strapped uh, as is. And I don't know if they're going to be able to make the amount of moves that might be necessary to fill out this squad if they want to get back in a Stanley Cup contention. Well, it felt, Mike, like last year they kind of did that, right? They brought in so many different pieces from depth defensemen yeah. like Lou Shen. They brought in Sam Lafferty, all sorts of guys. So does it feel like this is the kind of year and a transition one as well with Brad Tree Living's first full year as general manager where you just kind of have to live and die with what you have? Well, perhaps, perhaps it could be, but it wasn't supposed to be that kind of year, right? <laughs> like I... I think when you look back to this past summer, there was a lot of cap space and a lot of you know available um, money to put towards some players that could help them. Unfortunately, it just hasn't been the case. We already talked about John Klingberg. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi still sitting on six goals. You've got Max Domi, just three goals on the year. So some of these guys who were 
pay to to give you a little bit more offense at the um, result of decreasing the team's defense. It just hasn't played out that way. And then you're still you know, have a much worse defensive team. And, and the, the proof is in the pudding. You look at the numbers last year, the last few years, this team's kind of been a top 10-ish team in terms of expected goals. This year, they're right in the middle of the pack, if not shading towards, uh, you know, being one of the, you know, bottom 20 teams in the NHL. So it, it, it really goes back to some of the, the miss and whips that they made this past off season, And it, it's going to be interesting to see if Brad Tree Living decides, okay, are we going to rectify those mistakes this upcoming trade deadline? Are we going to kind of not punt on the year, but not aggressively pursue uh, additions this season and, and move and look towards next year? Or are they going to sit there and say, okay, you know what? We still have to, uh, you know, improve this team. It's still a, a group that's in their prime with Matthews and with Marner and Nylander. We still got to go out there and make some make some big trades and make a push here. It'll be interesting to see what true living does. I'm just fascinated by the Maple Leafs. They have the same amount of regulation wins as the Ottawa senators right now. They each have 15. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's fascinating about them? Like true living comes into this situation and um, I, I just, I look at it like I did the math when they signed Nylander, Mike, and I think it's 54 plus million for the top five paid guys. And four of them are forwards. And then there's, um, the D-man, uh, Morgan Riley, and and vice versa from the Jets, they have a goalie, a D-man, and three forwards that are going to cost $36 million. Those are their highest paid. Um, but yet it's Treliving that gave Nylander the 11-plus. And, and so that's why I kind of like, I don't know if it's in the water in Toronto. Like I thought Treliving would come in and, I don't know, make a move and, and then sign Nylander to something around the 10 mark. I just, I don't know, the history repeats itself with this club, right? It seems to be. It really seems to be. And yeah, this is a new general manager in charge. Out goes Dubis, in comes Tree Living. But the guy at the top who ultimately is making a lot of the, of the decisions and Brandon Shanahan, he remains. And, and I wonder how much of uh, Tree Living's dealings since he's came into the fold has been part of the Shanna plan as opposed to yeah. Tree Living having a say in what he wants to do moving forward. Because I don't know if you guys remember when Dubis had his end-of-year presser, he kind of alluded to maybe this core isn't working. Maybe maybe we can't get it done and something has to change. All of a sudden, uh, Chaney changes his tune and decides to let him go and bring in Brad Trilliving, and then they decide to run it back and, and double down on what they've got. And now again, a team where the conversation for the last five years has been their cap strap. They can't do anything because they paid all their forwards. Well, they're doubling down. They keep paying these guys more and more money. They gave Matthews his extension in the summer, and then they went and gave Nylander a nice healthy increase uh, about a month ago. And then they've got Marner and Tavares. We'll see what happens with them next year. But it's it's definitely um, interesting to see this team just continue to go back to the well despite the lack of success. It wouldn't be the first brass to go, no, we need to fix it, but we need to fix it with these guys, like with these yeah guys that we've locked into as opposed to moving on from them. Finally, uh, for me anyway, Mike, what about tonight? Like, so there's no Velarde, no Shifley. Um, the Leafs got the win in Seattle and, and, and everything. How does the, how do they match up tonight? Do you feel? And especially with the way the jets, like I thought Greg bonus was great about Boston saying, well, that was our worst game in a long time. We, we couldn't get out of our own end. Um, how do you see these two teams with the bodies that are available tonight? And then probably Saturday going at each other. 
Yeah, I think it's a tough matchup for Toronto just because of the way that the Jets like to play. I mean, they kind of want to slow things down and, and try and clog it up and then just play solid defense and not allow goals because they've got the, the best in the back. And, you know, Toronto, that's not quite their style. Once you take time and space away from them, they get a little flustered, and sometimes it's tough for them to find the back of the net. So, honestly, I, I think this is a good matchup for Winnipeg uh, coming up. I, I was surprised to see the books have Toronto as the, the favorites on the money line, not only because Winnipeg's been the better team, but also just the way that they play. Their play style is definitely not conducive to um, you know how Toronto wants to play, that's for sure. And they've got Ilya Samsonov in that tonight. Yeah, I have no idea what you're going to get out of this guy. He's been uh, pretty terrible all season long. He did have a good start uh, last time he was out there over the weekend against the Seattle Kraken. But, you know, Toronto played well in front of him, only allowed 17 shots on goal. Uh, but, again, that was against the Kraken, not against the 30-win Winnipeg Jets. So it should be interesting to see what we get out of Ilya Samsonov tonight. We're talking to Mike DiStefano, Locked on Leafs podcast as well. And I'm going to let you pick your own adventure here, Mikey. You want to talk about how John Tavares is on a career-long eight-game slump or how Austin Matthews has 24 goals in his last 24 games? Oh, man. Uh, I can hit on both really quickly. Austin Matthews has been absolutely incredible. Uh, and the way that he's scoring at an elite rate. For a while, I was kind of on 50 and 50 watch. It seems like that slowed down, and, and is it going to happen? But the guy is on pace for almost 70 goals, and, I mean, he can just score in, in any which way possible. He had a hat trick the other night, and he scored. One of them was off a backhand. One of them was a stop-up, and, and one of them was uh, just a nice little uh, popped out into the corner and ends up scoring on a, a nice little pass and, and one-timer. So he could score in so many different ways. It's just unbelievable. And John Tavares, man, this guy's been real, real snake-bitten. I mean, he's working. You can credit the guy for working, but you look at his production at five-on-five, five, it, it's been abysmal. Since returning from uh, Sweden like 28 games ago, he's got one goal at five-on-five. Five. And as you mentioned, he hasn't scored at all in eight straight games. For a guy who's making $11 million, and I know we everyone hates that bring up the contracts, but for a guy that's making $11 million, that just can't happen. Just cannot happen. So he hopefully can break out of this funk. It's been a little bit of unluckiness if you look into the numbers. He should have some more expected goals throughout that uh, throughout that tenure. He's you know gotten robbed a couple times, hit a couple posts and bars, but ultimately uh, it, it's still inexcusable. He's only have one goal at five-on-five over that stretch, especially when he's leaned upon to be a top player for this team. Two things on that. I looked coming into this year, John Tavares is a point-per-game player since signing that deal yep. coming into this year. So it's, he's lived up to it. For sure. But the second side of that is it's not the first person to travel and lose something in the lug, in their luggage. He's lost his hands. Okay. He lost okay. his hands while traveling. they got to find it. Call WestJet or Air Canada or something. Well, one thing I know is Tavares I Tavares th- needs his touchback. Uh, he does. Well, hey, don't tempt fate. Don't tempt fate. <laughs> In two weeks, he needs his touch. Yeah. Well, airlines won't get his, his touch back to him by now. Yeah, yeah. It'll take two weeks for that. One thing I know is I'd pay this guy 11 million bucks. Mike DiStefano, Locked On Lease Podcast. Always appreciate. Always appreciate. Uh, don't tempt MLSE with that. They'll do it. We appreciate you, Mikey. <laughs> Thanks for the insight. Enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy it. Thanks, That's- Mike. Enjoy the game. That's Mike DiStefano, Locked On Leafs Podcast. Great insight. I love that guy. Great discussion there. Yeah, He's great awesome. insight in what he said about, you know, how it's it's gone right. I mean, 
we've talked about it. Tonight's game, Saturday's game, it's going to be all about the games and stuff. But people always probably texting us now enough about the Leafs. Let's talk Jets and stuff. But I, I think that's the topic for five, six years of how they've been built. Top heavy. But the difference has always been goaltending. They have the same amount of regulation wins as the Ottawa Senators. Their that blows last, my mind. Their last place in the conference. Blows my mind. And then how they give up leads, right? And Amazing. we're talking two goal leads. Amazing. Yeah, they did it to Ottawa right after Christmas. Yeah. Unbelievable. Toronto Maple Leafs, fascinating. They always are. I don't know mecca. how I feel about tonight's game, though. It's weird. I know. But hey, you get two cracks, Adam. Well, let's go. You get two cracks. We're going to recap everything that happened today in the world of Winnipeg Jets after a quick word. That's Jim Toth. I'm Ross Levitan. Stay tuned. Jets at noon, 680 CJOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back. Jets at noon. It's a game day. Six o'clock puck drop. Four o'clock pregame on your radio home for Jets hockey. 680 CJOB. According to the lines today, courtesy of our Mitchell Clinton, who will be the color analyst tonight, as always, on 680 CJOB's coverage. Gabe Velarde remains day-to-day. Same with Mark Shifley. Shifley did skate this morning as the extra forward, but... No line rushes, no power play drills. Looks like he's out tonight. Again, no complete confirmation, but you have to think the way that things are lined up where Vladislav Nemestikov is centering Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. Dominic Tony Nato is centering Cole Perfetti and Alex Iafalo. Lowry in his usual spot with Nino Niederreiter and Mason Appleton. Rasmus Kupari is with Morgan Barron and Axel Janssen Fialbi. The D pairs have been so consistent all year, Jim. I don't even feel like we have to get into them, but it's Morrissey <laughs> DeMello. It's Dylan Pionk and it is Sandberg with Nate Schmidt. Who's one player to watch for the Jets tonight? It would be more news if there was a deep pairing change. Uh, like Logan Stanley day. going in? Exactly. You got another hour? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great debate. People, hey, um, awesome. And a lot of fun. Uh, to me, it's Semestikov. Like, I think that if he can go up there, and and um, no disrespect to Adam Lowry, I think he's done an okay job, but Nemestikov might be able to provide a little bit more offense, and especially with Ehlers and Connor. I like the fact that if you can't generate to load something up and see what you can get out of them on a, on a road game. So I'm looking at Nemestikov, the guy to watch tonight. I love it. I'm going to go. You? You know I'm going to go with my guy. Dominic Tony Nato. Oh, no. I'm looking at it could be a career high. Ice time for Dominic Tony Nato tonight. You know what else I'm going to be looking for? I'm going to be looking for Rick Bonus to stay consistent within the game with his lines. Let them get some feel and chemistry. No line played more than five and a half minutes of five on five against Boston. I want more consistency in lines. I think the game will dictate that. I think if, if and I don't mean the score, I right. mean what he's seen. If they don't have anything going, yep. like out of their own end and through the neutral zone like they did against Boston. But I, I think if these lines can get something going, he will stick with them. And as a wise man once said. Score on the power play? What the, what CJOB needs is more cult. Turn it up. Jeff Forte is on the buttons today. Just we turn always, up the cult. That's what we need on a game day. It's a game day. We got some cult. It's the Leafs and the Jets. What more could you ask for? We could ask for the Jim Toth show. It's next. That's Jim Toth. I'm Ross Levitan. Thanks for being with us here on Jets at Noon. You're listening to 680 CJOB.